principles to live by. Um, he sent us a list of these principles, and he asked us to, to mention these often in our sermons, mention them often as we teach. So I'm going to take that list today, and I, I went through it again and did a little more study, and, and I'm just going to talk about some principles to live by. Amen? You can be seated today. We as Christians, um, we, st- we strive and we are pursuing um, to live a holy life. Amen. That is, that is something that as, as apostolics, as children of God, we want to be holy. Right? We strive to be holy. There's, there's a lot of scriptures about this. First Peter 1 and verse 15 and 16 says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Okay? So the one who has called us is holy. And he's called us to be holy in all manner of conversation. That's just not talking about how we talk in conversation, but that is in how we live. In everything that we do, God is calling us to be holy. In verse 16, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Okay? God has called us unto holiness. I mean, this is an, an important part of our, our walk with God is that we are striving to be holy because our God is holy. Hebrews 12 and 14 says, follow peace with all men and holiness. The writer of Hebrews says this, without which no man shall see the Lord. Amen. We, I believe we all have a hope of glory. We all want to make it to heaven. We all want to spend eternity with Jesus someday. But without holiness, without holiness, we won't see the Lord. And without striving for holiness, we won't be led by the Holy Ghost. So this is, this is a serious topic, a serious matter in our walk with God. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 7 says, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but he's called us unto holiness. Everybody say, I want to be holy. I want to be holy. And, we, and so we ask ourselves, what is holiness? And, and I think Brother Walters always used to say, holiness is conforming to the will and the nature of God. Okay? Conforming to the will and nature of God. Holiness encompasses our thoughts, okay? It encompasses our emotions and our actions, and that all of those would be aligned with the Spirit of God. So we have these guiding principles in our life that are in line with holiness in there, and they come through the power of the Holy Ghost. I don't know if uh, as a young boy, uh, most young boys want to be like their father. Okay, I'm, I'm not even a young boy, and I want to be like my father. I respect my father. I look up to my father. I want to be like him. Well, our heavenly father is holy. Amen. And he's a lot of other things. And I want to be like my father. 
I want to, and, and how we get to be more like him is we get to know him more. Okay? If you want to be more like God, the key to that is getting to know more about God, getting to know who he is, his will, and his nature. I want to be like my father. So we have these principles of holiness, and we sometimes call them holiness standards, but maybe principles is a, is a better word that we, we should live by because we're living in a world that the, the culture is ever-changing, okay? We're living in a world where things are constantly changing, but as Christians and children of God, our pursuit and our path that we walk should not be wavering with the world, okay? Because we're seek, because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, okay? He does not change And if we're walking on that path and living by these principles of holiness, we should not be conforming to the world, but we should be on a straight, narrow path towards Jesus Christ. So we have principles that we should live by. And I believe that when Brother Chuppy, I know he taught on these several times, I think the main topic of discussion with, with these principles was technology um, it was computers and TVs and, and sports and all these sort of things. Um, that we have to have principles on how to navigate living in this world, but not being of this world. Okay, so these principles will work with anything. They will work with TV, DVD, internet, books, MP3, computers, sports, bars, you name it. These principles will work. These principles apply to where you go, who you're with, what you're doing, what you're watching, what you're listening to, how you talk, how you walk. So these principles can be applied to anything that we do in our daily life. So I'm just going to go through these. And, and again, I think the, the main topic of discussion when Brother Chuppy taught on this was technology, it was social media, that sort of thing. And, and of course, you guys know that I'm not afraid to mention those things because they are a, a serious thing in the day we live in, okay? I, th- I think there's a scripture in, I think maybe it was Paul or maybe it was Peter said, this present distress, okay? There was, a, there was something that they had to deal with in the moment, in their culture, And this is something that we have to deal with in our culture at this moment, this present distress. Um, So here's the first principle. Does it celebrate sin? Does it celebrate? Does it promote? Does it commend sin? The truth of it is, is we live in a culture, okay, that promotes and celebrates sin. It's all over the place, okay? It's on the billboards, okay? Walk through the mall. The, 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 the pictures are celebrating sin. It's on the magazine racks. It's in the commercials. Hollywood celebrates sin. Pride is celebrated. Fame is celebrated. Riches and materialism are celebrated. The world tells us that this is what we should be pursuing. 
This is how we are going to be happy when we achieve X, Y, and Z. Okay, it celebrates and it promotes sin. Sexual promiscuity is celebrated. Okay, uh, relationships outside of marriage are normal. Even to people who call themselves Christians, that's normal. Okay, homosexuality is celebrated. It's everywhere. The Bible says in 1 John 2 and 16, or 15 and 16, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lusts thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Church, the only thing that the world has to offer are the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, and the pride of life. Boys, the only thing that the world has to offer is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And it says that those things will pass away. Okay? They will not fulfill. It says they will pass away and the lust thereof. That's it. They're, it's momentary, temporary fun and pleasure. Okay? It's fun for a season. It, uh, it, uh, it, it's fun for just a little while, but eventually it will pass away and will leave you unfulfilled. How many of you used to, you were in the world, that's what we were trying to do is just to be happy. So we'd go from one thing to the next, one lust of the flesh to the next, one lust of the eye to the next, one moment that we feel proud about our achievements to the next, just trying to be happy. But at the end of the day, when Christmas was all over, there was still unfulfillment in the heart. Amen? It just, it, just, it just comes and it goes. But the Bible says, but he that doeth the will of God. Amen? But he that will do the will of God abideth forever. So we ask ourselves, are we fulfilling these things in our lives? Are we just doing what feels good? Okay, are we just after the next moment of pleasure, the next fun thing to do? Okay? I know I have some teenagers in my house, and it seems like all they think about is the next fun thing they can do. And I'm like, all you guys want to do is have fun. And maybe some of that's normal, right? But we got to be careful because it's not all about just having fun. It's not all about the next, you know, the next uh, vacation, the next thing we can buy, the next, uh, you know, all these things. And these things are all fine and, and dandy, but that's not what we're seeking. That's not what we're going after to fulfill, to fill, uh, to fulfill us. Amen? So do we just do what feels good or are we trying to do the will of God? Can I say this? That the will of God doesn't always feel good. 
I was thinking today, there's a, there's a saying that we use all the time. It's a going against the grain. And that's an old, that's an old, old phrase that's used. Um, and I think it, it was derived from going against the, the grain of wood to a woodworker. When you go against the grain, you end up with splinters. Okay, you end up hitting some tough spots. And going against the grain is not easy. Okay? It's not easy. Doing the will of God is not always easy. And as children of God, God has called us out of this world. Okay? And, uh, you know, the Bible talks about us just being pilgrims traveling through the land. This is just a temporary place where, where our destination is somewhere else. And, but as we're in this world, as a child of God, we are walking against the grain of the world. God has called us to be different. He's called us to be peculiar. Okay, he's called us to, to do certain things and not to do certain things. And this walk with God is against the grain of the world. It is. And it's sometimes hard. It's sometimes not easy. And I was thinking to myself, we're walking against the grain. But the great thing is, is he's given us a really, really sharp sword. <laughs> he's given us a really, really sharp sword. And that's the word of God. I mean, he's given us uh, this armor that we put on. <laughs> Amen. The shield of faith. And, and our, our loins are girt with truth. And our, our feet are shod with the preparation of the God. He's given us what we need to walk against the grain. Amen? Have you ever tried to go against the grain with a, a dull knife? Doesn't work. He's given us a sharp sword. So it doesn't, it, it's hard sometimes. It's, it's hard work doing the will of God. It's a whole lot easier just doing what feels good. It's a whole lot easier just to get into the current of the world and just to go with the flow, what everybody else is doing. That's a whole lot easier. But God has called us to go against the grain. So does it celebrate sin? Where you're at, are they celebrating sin? What you're partaking in, does it celebrate and promote sin? The Bible says in Psalms 1 and 1, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And of course, this scripture, if you read the first verse, he first starts by walking by. Okay, and then he starts standing. And then before he knows it, he's sitting. So there's this downward slope that uh, we have to be careful with uh, in our walk with God. We, we can't uh, be around 
the, the, the world that you know, promotes sin. We can't in, entangle ourselves in these things. And sometimes it just, it just starts by walking by. And pretty soon now you're standing. And before you know it, you can be sitting in the seat of the scornful. Okay, but God has called us to delight in his law. Okay, we ought to meditate on his words, on, on what he wants us to do. We have to be careful that we aren't surrounding ourselves around the celebration of sin. When I got the Holy Ghost, I wrote that in my notes. When I got the Holy Ghost, I just remember like being in places that I felt very comfortable before. And all of a sudden, I did not feel comfortable anymore because it was just a big celebration and a promotion of sin. And the Spirit of God was in me, and it was saying, hey, I don't want you walking by this no more. I don't want you sitting in this environment anymore. Amen. I don't want you to have anything to do with this. I've called you out of darkness and into this marvelous light. When I got the Holy Ghost, things the Holy Ghost is what leads us and guides us in these principles. The Bible says in Romans 1 and 32, Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Okay, we need to stay away from the celebration of sin, and we shouldn't have any part in it. But we also shouldn't have any part by being entertained by others who sin. Okay? So some would say, I can watch that because I'm not actually doing it. Okay? I can, I can watch this show on, you know, there's murder, there's sexual acts, and it's fine because I'm not actually doing that. But the Bible says that we shouldn't take pleasure in them that do them. Okay, the Bible says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Okay, that's why I, I make kind of a big deal about video games. Because there's, I mean, I've played video games. I, I don't mind hopping on Mario Karts every now and then. But most video games are, like, there's like zombies and they're demonic and most of them are about shooting and killing people and killing things, and there's blood and it's gory. So we sit there for hours really taking pleasure and being entertained by, by something that God's just really against. I'll leave that right there. But I, think, I don't think God wants us to take pleasure in them that do them. Okay, so does it celebrate sin? Does it promote sin? Number two, does it help or does it hurt your walk with God? Does it help or does it hurt your walk with God? First Corinthians 10 and 23 says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. And what Paul was saying is there's things that I could do that aren't necessarily sin, but they're not 
expedient. They're not beneficial. They're not advantageous. So um, we ask ourselves the things that we're doing, the things that we're partaking of, does it help or does it hurt our walk with God? Does the music that we're listening to help or hurt our walk with God? Does the book that we're reading help or hurt our walk with God? Does it draw us closer to God? Does it strengthen you? Does it strengthen your family? Does it make you a better person? Our ultimate goal in this life is to draw closer to God. Okay, it's really why he gave us our very next breath. Okay, it's why he gave us another day, is that we can have another day, another moment, another opportunity to draw closer to him. So does it help or does it hurt our walk with God? Understand that holiness is the pursuit of God. It's going forward in him. And our perspective shouldn't be about what we can get away with and still be a Christian. Sometimes we look at holiness on what I can still do and be okay. Like what I can still kind of partake in and still be a Christian. Holiness is never looking back, okay? Holiness is looking forward to how you can draw closer to him. It's not what you can hang on to and be okay. Okay, you may be able to still do some things that you did in the world, but is it expedient? Is it beneficial to your walk with God? Or does it drag you down? Does it pull you away? Okay, but we got holiness is looking forward to Jesus. And in my experience, people that always have this idea of what, you know, how close they can walk the line, it, it never really seems to end good for them. It seems to not be a very successful way to live for God. But when there's people that say, listen, I'm putting all this behind, I'm going forward, my goal today is to draw close to God. If I got to let go of this, I, it does not matter to me. I'm drawing closer to God. And they just, go, they just go head first into the kingdom of God. I'll tell you what, those are success stories. Not always looking back, hanging on. We got to look to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. So does it help or does it hurt our walk with God? Does it edify? Does it build up? Does it encourage, does it inspire, does it support your walk with God? Or does it depress, does it tear down, does it discourage, does it deter my relationship with Jesus? Does it build up or does it tear down? 1 Corinthians 10 and 23 says, All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Not everything edifies your walk with God. Ephesians 4 and 29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Church, we've got to be interested in things that help us live for God. <laughs> right? I mean, 
If that's our ultimate goal, is to draw closer to God, we've got to take an inventory of the things that we're doing, the things that we're not doing, and asking ourselves, does it build up? Does it tear down? Does it help or does it hurt my walk with God? Another principle is, does it control you or do you control it? 1 Corinthians 6 and 12 says, All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And Paul was talking about not letting anything control him besides the Spirit of God. So, getting on that topic, does social media control you or do you control it? Does your phone control you or do you control it? Do you have things in your lives that controls you instead of you controlling it? Where do you spend your time, your energy, and your money? If you look at those three things, you can oftentimes tell if, it's, if there's something controlling you or if you are controlling it. You know, if you feel like you have something that is maybe becoming too controlling in your life, taking too much of your time, too much of your thought process, it may be time. And even that, that thing may not be, I'm not necessarily just talking about sin. Okay, Brother Jones, it could be fishing. It could be fishing. We had a horrible weekend fishing. Fish were not biting I came home and just hung it up. I'm packing everything up in a tote. I'm done. But there's things, there's good things that we like to do that can control us. And we ought to take an inventory of those things. And if there is something like that, it may be time to just put it away. Maybe time for a good old fast. Come on now. Somebody say amen. Somebody say, I'm ready. <laughs> through fasting you bring your flesh under subjection during a fast you realize how much power there is for your desire for food come on now and you realize how much that desire controls you just stop eating for a few days and you're like wow that's a Eating's a big part of my life. It kind of controls my whole schedule. Right? So if there's something like that that you feel like is maybe controlling you, it may be time to say, you want to know what? I'm going to put that thing away for a while. I'm going to go on a fast. I'm going to get this flesh under subjection. It's the will of God to have self-control. Okay, Proverbs 25, Proverbs talks a lot about self-control, but Proverbs 25 and 28 says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. We need to have, as Christians, we need to have self-control. So here's the list that Brother Chuppy had in his notes about things that we let control us. Cell phone, iPad, 
computers, TV, shopping, golf, work, hunting, our house, our fishing, family, friends. These things can control our lives. We understand that one of the fruit of the Spirit is temperance. Okay, that is self-control. Temperance is a virtue of the one who masters his desires and passions. I believe it's the will of God for his children, for us to be disciplined, to have discipline in our lives, to have structure. 2 Timothy 2 and 3 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. I don't know much about the military, but I do know that soldiers are disciplined. Okay, They come out of boot camp most of the time different people than they went in. They learn one very important thing, and that is discipline. Okay, And God has called us to be good soldiers in his army. Okay, that we would endure hard times, that we would, that we would be disciplined and have self-control and, and have temperance in our lives. He says, let no man, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. In the affairs of this life, throw their spider web at us all the time. Okay, the, the, the cares of this life constantly are throwing you know, the, the, the ropes at us and trying to get us in and, and trying to, you know, distract us from what we're really after. Trying to inweave us back into the world. But Paul here talks about that as a soldier, we cannot be entangled with the things of this life. But we are, we've got to be uh, committed to pleasing the one who has called us into the army. That's our goal, is to please the one who's called us into this army, and that is Jesus Christ. Proverbs 6 and 6 says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, or traveleth in, in thy want as an armed man. You read through Proverbs, there's a lot of Proverbs about being lazy, just about simply not being productive. And this proverb here says, consider the way of the ant. It, it, it works hard. It, it, it stores up its food and it gathers its, its food in the harvest. And he doesn't even have an overseer or a ruler. They just do this. Consider the way of the ant. There is discipline there. There's commitment there. And I think that we've got to consider that in our walk with God. Discipline and commitment for the great cause of the kingdom of God. Amen? Does it control you?
or do you control it? Because we shouldn't be under the power of any. Does it help or hurt others? Does it help or hurt others? Romans 4 and 2 says, It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. How do your actions and what you do affect somebody else? The brother or the sister in the Lord sitting next to you, your coworker, your family, your friends, those you have influence over, parents, how do your decisions and what you do and partake of affect your children? That's a big question. That's a big deal. Titus 2 and 7 says, In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. Okay? The things that we do should influence others in a good way. Okay? 1 Corinthians 8 and 9 says, But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to them that are weak. We've got to be careful not to become a stumbling block to anybody around us. Bible says in Romans 12 and 9 says, let love be without dissimulation or hypocrisy. It says, abhor that which is evil or detest that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. As Christians, we need to truly be concerned about each other, okay? (laughs) This is an upside-down kingdom. In the world, you're number one. You're first. But in the kingdom of God, you are preferring others before yourself. Kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. Our main concern cannot be our own gain, okay? Our main concern cannot be how we can excel, but it should be how we can help somebody else grow. So we've got to be concerned about those sitting across from us, those um, that we go to church with, our brothers, our sisters, and even those out in the world. We've got to not put ourselves first, and ask ourselves, does it hurt or help others? Do, is my decision going to hurt or help somebody else? That's a big deal. We're called to love God, okay? And we're called to love our neighbor as ourself. All right, last principle here is, does it redeem the time? Does it redeem the time? Ephesians 5 and 16 says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Will what you're doing matter in the great scheme of things? The time that you're spending doing something, will that time, is it an investment or is it a liability? How will God look at the way we spend our time? I believe time is a resource that God has given us, amen? And we've got to invest it 
with wisdom. Colossians 4 and 5 says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Another, uh, another translation says, making the best use of the time. How many waste time? Anybody in here waste time? How many of you just waste time and then you just kind of get upset at yourself? Like, I just wasted time. Okay? We've got to be um, cognizant of how we're using our time. God's given us a work to do. John 17, 4 says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. God has given us a work to do. The days are evil. And it seems that there's a lot of distractions that we can really waste our time on. But as we approach the, the second coming of the Lord, it seems that we should waste less time. It seems that we are living in a, a serious time that we just can't waste away. There's a great work of God to do. So does the things that we do redeem the time? Is it a good use of the time? Or is it somewhat of a waste? So these are principles that we can ask ourselves in our daily walk with God being led by the Holy Ghost, striving and pursuing holiness. Let's all stand. I wonder if we can just go before the Lord right now and just ask God to, to help us be led by his spirit that we would walk holy and let's just ask God to just have his way in, in this service today again I do believe God wants to do some, some significant things within the church so let's just go to him right now Jesus we love you God we thank you Lord for your goodness and your mercy God, I thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost today. God, for your spirit, God, that leads and guides us. God, I pray that we would, each and every single one of us, God, would be able to take an inventory of how we spend our time and our energy, God. Lord, that we would take an inventory, God, and ask, us, ask ourselves these questions, God, these principles, God, today. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray that you would just have your way, God, in this service. Lord, that you would just do a mighty work, God, amongst us. God, that there would be a spirit of faith and expectation. God, I pray that there would be some things, God, that would break. God, that there would be a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost in this place. God, we've come here today, God, not just for another service, but God, we came here today to draw close to you, God, in the name of Jesus, God, that we would leave here changed, God, that your spirit would reign and work, God, in our hearts today, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, oh, mighty